לקוטי סיכוס חלק יוטס חג הסוכוס סיכה א'. This week's sicha is studied לעילוי נשמס רבי יוסף בן יומן בן רב מנשה קלטמן. Our sicha begins with a gemara in מסכה סוכה that teaches, we've learned that רבי אליעזר teaches, תניה רבי אליעזר אומר, כשם שאין אדם יוצא ידי חייבוסי ביום תברישן של חג בלולווי של חברי, just as one doesn't fulfill the obligation of לולוו on the first day of Yom Tov, by using the lulav of a friend, dichsiv, ulokachtem lochem, b'yom rishen pre-eitz hodor kapais t'marim, because it's written in the Torah in Parshas Emor, take for yourselves on that first day the fruit of a hodor tree, branches of palm trees, the emphasis on mishalochem, they should be yours. Kach in adam yoytze yedei chayvosay b'sukasay shalchaveri. So too, Rabbi Yezer teaches, one doesn't fulfill his obligation to sit in the sukkah by sitting in the sukkah of his friend. Because it is written in the same parsha, Chag ha-sukkah isteyasa l'cho shivas yomim. Celebrate for yourself the festival of sukkahs. Again, l'cho mishel cho. You must own the sukkah. The Chachamim, however, differ and say that even though it is said one cannot fulfill his obligation using his friend's lulav, that is not the case with sukkah, and one can be yitzah, fulfill the obligation of sitting in a sukkah by sitting in his friend's sukkah. Because the Pasuk in Parshas Emor says, Kol ha'ezrach b'yisrol yeshvu b'sukkais. All citizens of Israel shall live in booths which teaches us that every Jew is worthy of sitting in a single sukkah and that a sukkah should be a singular sukkah that can even encompass all Jews. And so the question then, of course, is, so what about the lecha and the explanation of Mishalachem that Rabbi Leezer explains? And the answer is that the lecha is actually referring to a stolen sukkah, what cannot, one cannot fulfill the obligation of sitting in a stolen sukkah. But if the sukkah is borrowed, in other words, one sits in a neighbor's sukkah, that's okay. And that is because of the words, kol ezrach, all citizens. The actual halacha is, as the Chachamim teach it, that while one cannot use the lulav, an esrog of another, to be yetzah the mitzvah, one can be Yitzah sitting in the sukkah with a borrowed, so to speak, sukkah of another. Simply, this seems to say that the reason Chachamim are of the opinion that one can sit in a borrowed sukkah is because Kol HaEzrach B'Yisrael Yeshu B'Sukkais teaches that all merit to sit in one sukkah. And then this then tells us that the Ta'aselecha, make for yourself, doesn't mean it actually has to be yours. Rather, the lecha is to ensure that the sukkah one sits in isn't a stolen one. But the Alter Rebbe writes in Shulchan Aruch and Er Chaim Simen, Tofresh Lamed Zayin, when discussing Hilcha Sukkah, that though the Torah says, Chag HaSukkah is Teosah Lecha, which means Lecha Mishelcha, in other words, the sukkah should be yours, not your friends. Yet a person fulfills his obligation of the mitzvah of sukkah with a borrowed sukkah. The reason for that would be, since he entered the sukkah by invitation, in other words, with permission, it becomes as though it is his. 
So the Alter Rebbe doesn't suggest that the Lacha that Torah talks about, which is explained as Mirshelcha, isn't just about ensuring that one doesn't use a stolen sukkah. It's clear that regarding a sukkah, the Lacha, meaning Mishelcha, is that it can be a borrowed sukkah because that is considered indeed as though it is one's own. So now we need to understand if the reason that a person can fulfill his obligation for this mitzvah with a borrowed sukkah, and it's not because of the verse Kol Ezrach, which is inclusive and includes a borrowed sukkah, but because once borrowed, so to speak, in other words, another's sukkah is considered as his own, then why wouldn't a borrowed lulav be equally sufficient for fulfilling the mitzvah of lulav with a clause of shalcha when borrowed? It would seem we could respond to this by suggesting that in this category of shaloi, his belonging to someone, there are varying degrees of ownership. In this mitzvah of sukkah, via the verse kolo ezrach, it becomes apparent that the lacha in sukkah, in other words the mishalcha, that it has to be one's own, is a lighter degree of ownership, which includes something borrowed, a borrowed sukkah which isn't actually his. But the mitzvah of lulav doesn't have an associating verse which gives such indication, and so the mitzvah that tells us lakachtem lochem pre eitz hadar must be lochem shel lochem, literally, with no allowance for a borrowed lulav. But the Altareb's wording just a few ACS later in the Shulchan Aruch actually seems to imply that a borrowed sukkah isn't a lighter degree of lacha, but is indeed literally as though it is actually his. The Alter Rebbe writes, V'yafalpi shabidyevid yoytze besukkah gzula ha'imedes bekarka, the one fulfills his obligation b'yedevid, after the fact, for the mitzvah of sukkah, if he used a stolen stationary, not mobile, but stolen sukkah, nevertheless, from the outset, that isn't the most desirable way to fulfill the mitzvah by sitting in a sukkah on his friend's property. That isn't considered his in actuality, and the Torah says, Te'asalcha, make for yourself, Mishelcha, it should belong to you. A stolen sukkah isn't like a borrowed sukkah. The borrowed sukkah, as far as he is concerned, is like his very own. In other words, the reason a person fulfills his obligation in the mitzvah of sukkah with a borrowed sukkah isn't because the sukkah needn't be his, but rather because a borrowed sukkah is considered as actually his, which brings us right back to the original question, which is why can't we borrow a lulav under the same clause of Mishalcha, actually yours? which includes something borrowed, which tells us that we can actually suggest that the chidush that we learn from this posuk, kol ha'ezrach b'yisrael, yeshu b'sukkahs, that every citizen merits to sit in a sukkah, is that the idea of sukkah has a unique quality or categorization which would make a borrowed sukkah considered shaloi mamash, literally his own. Simply explained, when a person borrows a sukkah from a friend or sits in a friend's sukkah with permission, it is 
loaned to him with the intention that it functions for the borrower as a permanent dwelling where the borrower could live all year long, which is, after all, the idea of a sukkah. When we are in the sukkah on Yom Tov, it should be able to serve as a permanent dwelling, in which case the borrowed sukkah is really his, and this was the intention of the lender. This isn't the case with a lulav, which is only loaned to someone conditionally, and the owner wants it back. Let's expand this idea and illuminate this idea more deeply with chassidus. From the verse called Ezrach Yisrael Yeshu Besukais, we learn that all of Israel are worthy of sitting in a single sukkah. That the loftiness of a sukkah unifies all Jews into a single entity so that the Pasuk says that we are all worthy by dwelling in a sukkah, we dwell as one. And so a borrowed sukkah, carrying the unifying factor, can be considered as belonging to the borrower and is kishaloi mamish, actually like his own. Chassidus explains the words of Tehillim, Perak Pei Aleph, chapter 81, Sound the shofar on the new moon, bakesaliyim hagenu, on the appointed time for the day of our festival, to indicate that the holiness achieved on the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which are not revealed to us, they are bekesa, concealed, only become revealed liyom chagenu on the festive days of Sukkot. Understanding uba kese, the concealment of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, will help us understand the difference in this idea of lochem, as it's projected in the fulfillment of the mitzvahs of sukkah and lulav, in other words, in a borrowed sukkah or lulav. It's explained elsewhere at length that Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur each have three components of varying degrees of loftiness. The first is the mitzvah of the day. Rosh Hashanah, the mitzvah of blowing the shofar, Yom Kippur, the mitzvah of fasting and repentance and confession. The second, one level higher, these days are the Aseris Yimei Tshuva. Tshuva transcends a mitzvah. Hence, Tshuva can repair and replace what is lacking in one's service of God. And then third, the higher level, is the essential substance of the day. And that is loftier yet than repentance. On Rosh Hashanah, the essence of the day is God's request of us that we cause him to reign over us. The request and the avodah, the service to crown Hashem as king. And on Yom Kippur, the essence of the day is that fasting on this day atones, a higher level of atonement than that which comes through tshuva. These three components each represent three categories of connection and unification of the Jew with God. The one category is where the Jew, the nation of Israel, exists, so to speak, as an independent entity who bind themselves to God. This category of connection demands that some means be used to create the connection. And what is that means? The performance of mitzvahs, acceptance of the yoke of heaven, fulfillment of Hashem's decrees. 
Within the category of connection, within this category of connection, there's actually a deeper and more internalized hiskashras, a bond of the Jew and God, that results not from mitzvah performance, but rather is expressed in the action of tshuva. This is true even for the Jew who has thrown off the yoke of heaven and isn't observing mitzvahs, who is feeling a strong regret for his lack and really wants to repair this breach, and so he does tshuva. Now, even though there is this deeper connection, deeper than the observance of mitzvahs, ultimately it comes down to observance, to the mitzvah performance. The regret that brings to the act of tshuva is about his lapse in observance, and he therefore decides to change that, and from here on in, to fulfill Hashem's decrees. Because ultimately this connection is about fulfilling the will of God, the individual remains yet an entity for himself with a desire to fulfill God's word and thus connecting to him. The highest level of connection, though, is that of Yisrael v'kuchubricho kulachad. The Jew and God are, in fact, a single entity. This connection happens through God's request of etamlichuni alechem, through the Jew affecting the crowning of Hashem as king upon him. This then tells us that the bond between the Jew and God through Torah and mitzvahs, or even through tshuva, requires that first someone accept Hashem to reign over him. This then makes space for the desire to fulfill Hashem's word and for repentance when Hashem's word has been transgressed when that which causes the connection lapses. But before even the v'tamlichuni aleichem, the service of asking God to reign over us, there is something that paves the way for that request, that awakens the desire to begin with, and that is the essential unifying bond between a Jew and God. In fact, a Jew cannot exist without this bond, without the king. Accordingly, we can understand how there are also differences between the fulfillment of a mitzvah by one Jew as compared to another, and also the difference between one Jew and another in regards to tshuva. But when it comes to the tamlichuni aleichem, there is no difference among Jews. Just as there is no difference when a human king is crowned, and a great minister stands alongside a simple commoner in equal humility before the king. Only after the crowning has taken place and the king sets out decrees, are there any differences between the citizenry in the kingdom in regards to the way they fulfill their obligations. And so it is with fulfillment of mitzvahs. The level to which a person experiences himself as an individual entity, will impact his performance of mitzvahs and his Kabbalah's oil. Then, in the service of tshuva, which comes from a deeper place of connection, which isn't impacted directly by one's performance of mitzvahs, there is no significant difference between one Jew and another. Tshuva, as we know, can manifest as the result of just a sudden momentary feeling a fleeting feeling of repentance. Yet here, too, there are differing levels in people as that which they atone for 
can be different. To different, which they do tshuva for, is different from one person to another. Even the soul's repentance and return to its source through tshuva is different from one person to another. But v'tamlichuni aleichem, flowing as it does, from the fact that a Jew and HaKadosh Baruch Hu are in fact one in source, just as there is no division between God and a Jew, there is no division, and one cannot separate between one Jew and another at that level of a tamlichuni aleichem. Now we said that these components, the level of the Jew seeing himself as an individual entity who performs mitzvahs, the mitzvah component, the desire to connect through the entity of mitzvahs, the tshuva component, and the indivisible soul and essential connection between God and man, the component of crowning Hashem, are found in both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The revealed aspect of these three individually is expressed and is connected to one of the three Yomim Tevim of Tishrei, to Rosh Hashanah, to Yom Kippur, and to Sukkot. On Rosh Hashanah, the outstanding revelation of this day, that is the head, the Rosh of the year. It's the time of crowning the king. As Rab Sajagoyin writes, the first task of the day through the mitzvah of Shefer is the crowning of our creator. Yom Kippur, the outstanding characteristic of this day, is that it is a day of tshuva, a day we put an end to our transgressions and make it a day of forgiveness and repentance for our transgressions. In fact, even the fasting we do on this day, which points to the essential bond between God and the Jew, transcending the connection formed through tshuva, ultimately this day, though, is about repentance. It is the day of atonement. But Sukkot is the time when a Jew busies himself in being involved in mitzvahs, building a sukkah, acquiring the four minim, lulav esrog hadasim aravis. Immediately after Yom Kippur, we busy ourselves. As the very name of the festival indicates, it's a time for the mitzvah of Sukkot, chag hasukkot. Since everything that is accomplished but concealed on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur Bakessa is drawn into and is revealed on Sukkot, we understand that though Sukkot is about being busy with mitzvahs, the three components of connection are revealed, incorporating the components of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and their revelation takes place through the mitzvahs of Sukkot. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur share the characteristic of being part of Asaras Yimei Tshuva, as Chazal alluded to us in the words Asara Yomim Shabin Rosh Hashanah V'yom HaKippurim and in fact there aren't 10 days between Rosh and Yom Kippur and so we understand that Rosh and Yom Kippur are days of Tshuva but transcend Tshuva itself those days transcend Tshuva itself there is also a third characteristic of these days and that is the mitzvah of the day we similarly, similarly find this idea of the essence of the day, the tshuva of the day, and the mitzvah of the day in connection to Sukkot. The verse in Pashas Emer describes the festival day saying, 
בחמיש עשר יום החדש השביעי הזה חג הסוכריס שבעס יומים להשם. On the 15th day of the seventh month, there is a festival of Sukkot for seven days to Hashem. Then we read the Posuk, Chag HaSukkot Te'asa Locha Shivas Yomim. You must make a Sukkot to sit in for seven days. And then again, regarding sitting in the Sukkot, not just building it, but sitting, the Posuk says, B'Sukkot Te'asu Shivas Yomim. Sit in the Sukkot seven days, and nothing is said in that Posuk, about the significance of those days, just to do this mitzvah and sit in the sukkah seven days, which all points to the fact that the essence of the Yom Tov is the mitzvah of sukkahs, of sukkah, sitting in the sukkah. When the Torah speaks of the mitzvah of taking the four kinds, the Arba Minim, we learn it this way. Take for yourselves on the first day of sukkahs, the first the fruit of a hodder tree, etc., which tells us that lulav and esrig are not the essential characteristic of the first day of Yom Tov of Sukkot, or of Sukkot itself. And then, af- and then after the Torah speaks about the Arba Minim, the Torah instructs us to celebrate these seven days with joy. So the essence of the Yom Tov, which on Rosh Hashanah is v'tam lichuni, Aleichem, on Sukkot, the essence of this mitzvah is the mitzvah of, the essence of the day is the mitzvah of Sukkah. The connection through tshuva, which is reflected and is the Aveda of Yom Kippur, is represented on the Yom Tov of Sukkot through the Arba Minim. And the mitzvah, the connection to Hashem through a mitzvah, is this mitzvah of Simcha, the joy of Sukkot. How do we understand these three levels and connections? We previously explained regarding Rosh Hashanah that v'tam lichuni aleichem is a great equalizer. All, the greatest minister and the humble citizen, are equal. There is no dif- difference between one Jew and another. That unified reality exists in Sukkot in the mitzvah of sitting in the Sukkah. As the Gemara teaches on the words kol ezrach that all Jews are worthy of sitting in a single sukkah. But regarding a lulav, on the posuk, take for yourselves on the first day, the Medrash says, Who is the posuk talking about, a Jew or a non-Jew? Now what kind of a question is that? Well, we're coming from Yom Kippur, and we don't know who will emerge victorious from this day. And so Hashem says, after Yom Kippur, when it comes to Sukkot, and we carry the lulav, carry your lulavim high in your hands, so all will know that you were victorious, that you were zoicha badin, meritorious in judgment. As if to say, the atonement of Yom Kippur is publicized and recognized in a revealed way on Sukkot with the mitzvah of the Dalad Minim. And the mitzvah of the joy of the Yom Tov, the mitzvah to be joyous, is the revelation of the bond of the Jew and God that is a result of the fulfillment of a mitzvah. According to this, we can now understand the difference in the aforementioned halacha about sukkah versus lulav. The sukkah expresses the giloi, the revelation, of a tamlechuni aleichem. As a Jew and God, are of one essence, it's understood 
that in the Vatamlechuni service, there is no difference between one Jew and another, as we mentioned. In other words, Kol Yisrael Ru'uyim Achas, all of Israel is worthy to sit in a single sukkah, which is explained to mean that because of the loftiness of the sukkah, Bnei Yisrael are unified in essence. Not that different individuals come together and unite, rather that all of Israel is to begin with Kulachad, one essence. Therefore, the halacha is that a borrowed sukkah is kishaloi, like his own, not just like his own, but like his own literally, because the sukkah unifies everyone into a single entity with no division. One cannot distinguish between one Jew and another and say it's his sukkah and not his sukkah. It is his just as it is, is his friend's. Stealing a sukkah, of course, would represent the opposite, the divisiveness, and that negates the essence of sukkah and its unifying quality, and it thus cannot be called shaloi, his. But this is all relevant to a sukkah, not to the dalad minim, even though they represent a unity among Jews, bringing together four kinds, representing four types of Jews, and their individual characteristics, yet that unity is a composite of four separate things even after they are gathered and held together. Since the four minim reveal, as we said, the atonement of Yom Kippur, just as there is difference in what people atone for, there, is also di- there are also differences between man and his fellow as represented in the four minim that are gathered together yet remain individuals. It's hence impossible to say that the four kinds can be borrowed and be considered like his, because with Lulav and Esrig and Hadassim and Arofis, each Jew remains an independent, separate entity. Which takes us back to the Lacha of Sukkah. Lacha is a term in the singular. Ta'asa Lacha, we are told. Make for yourself all of Israel is listening. So why does Moshe use a term in the singular? Because the sukkah causes total and essential unification. In the sukkah, we are one. Unlike the four kinds, where the posuk says, Ulokachtem lochem, take to yourselves in plural. And yet, concludes the Rebbe, even in the Dalad Minim, there is the idea of unification of achtos and bringing together similar things. And thus we get to the third dimension of sukkahs, the mitzvah of joy, of simcha, which depicts the bond to God through mitzvahs. And so there are real differences among Jews, unified in joy and while clearly divisible in rank or level, as the Mishnah tells us on sukkahs, Chassidim and Anshimaisa danced before the people who came to the place of the water drawing. The simcha of the mitzvah brings us together in an achtus, just as a circle of dance brings together all who participate.